0: This is Elevated Conversations. You don't know what you're doing. Starring Mel McLovin and R.J. Supreme. Welcome to the first episode of Elevated Conversation. This is your co-host, RJ Supreme.
1: And this is your co-host, Mel McLovin.
0: Oh, 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 what's going on? How's it going?
1: Nothing much, man. treating you? You know, as good as quarantine can get.
0: (laughs) Man, did you hear that new joiner?
1: I, I saw you posting about it. I really haven't... Oh, I think I listened to one song with George, but that was about it.
0: For everyone tuning in right now, listen to that new Their Lucas album. It is off the charts. Um, probably the best album I've heard all year, but, you know, the year ain't over yet. So, but, uh, so uh,
1: why, why should I listen to it? Go for it.
0: The reason why uh, I, it's just complete, like, real rap is back. Like, the dude, the dude is actually... Bitten bars like you know a lot of this shit that we listen to nowadays is all about you know beats and it just it's like super ratchet and it just doesn't make any sense you know and that mumble rap shit at least i'm not about it some people are i don't like the mumble rapping from the east coast so i don't know if it's because of that you know but is this
1: reminiscent reminiscent of uh give me so much to compare it to Cause you know I'm not I'm not big into rap I'm I listen to almost everything else but hip hop and rap is my joy
0: kind of kind of a mixture between Kendrick Lamar and J Cole I say
1: oh okay that intrigues me
0: he's real real dope yeah take you know have a listen to it the name of the album is A D H D by Joyner Lucas but anyways like let's get straight to it um we're gonna have five topics today Uh, one of them will be Will A B ever return to the NFL? Um, who will have a better career? John Morant, Zion, who's rookie of the year as well. Um, was there a game or a, uh that you ever saw that made you cry?
1: A thousand percent and, yes.
0: <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure I know what game that was, Man I'm pretty sure I know which one it was. <laughs> and um Let's get into the uh, Astros cheating as well. We'll get into the Astros cheating. Um, but the first topic of the day is uh, the Dallas Cowboys. That, of you course. Know, we got to talk about them. You know, they're relevant. They're always in the news. They're always in the sports news. But um, my question to you, Merari, is this predicament Jerry Jones is in is he at the current moment he has Dak Prescott on the franchise tag but they've supposedly gotten back to negotiating a contract. What would you do if your Jerry Jones? <clears throat> do you make him the highest-paid quarterback in the game, or do you keep the franchise tag
1: on him? I'll give you the floor. All right, there's a couple things that go into this. First off, he is going to play under the franchise tag, I believe, this year. I don't think they, they hammer out a deal for the following reasons. Dak wants a four-year contract because he's 26. That puts him at. By the time his contract's over, puts him at thirty, and he's in line for another lucrative contract in his thirties, which is not. I wouldn't say his prime, but he's still going to be a decent quarterback at that age. You got Tom Brady going all the way to almost forty-five. I would. I would imagine. So <clears throat> Dallas wants to give him a five-year contract that would put him back up for re-up at the age of thirty-one. So. Russell Wilson, 35 mil. Big Ben, 34 mil. Aaron Rodgers and Jared Goff, 33.5 mil. Kirk Cousins, 33 mil. Carson Wentz, 32 mil. Those are the highest-paid quarterbacks. Do I believe that Dak belongs in that tier of quarterback? Absolutely not. Russell Wilson has a Super Bowl win. Big Ben has a Super Bowl win. Aaron Rodgers has a Super Bowl win. Jared Goff doesn't have a Super Bowl win, but took his team to the Super Bowl. Kirk Cousins also probably shouldn't be there, but that guy's just had the best of luck. Carson Wentz won a Super Bowl. Not because of him, but his team won. So we're talking about out of the six best-paid quarterbacks, only two of them have not won the Super Bowl. Dak only has one playoff win, and you're trying to give him more than $33 million? You just had Travis Frederick retire. So now Jerry Jones lost Byron Jones, one of his best corners, lost his starting center, and just has a quarterback under the franchise tag. Re-upped Amari, re-upped Zeke. But truly, honestly, there's a lot of holes that the Cowboys need to fill before they can compete in the NFC. And you've seen it. Drew Brees took a team-friendly contract because he wants them – to give, give him weapons, he wants them to help them win. Tom Brady, every time they've won, because Tom Brady's not taking top quarterback money, even though arguably the best quarterback of all time. Right. So you can't... But Do you think
0: do you think that they gave up uh, they gave him a friendly contract because of, since they're aging, or do you think it was because they really believe that you know, that it'll help the team? Because my thing is, when it comes to to Tom Brady, I do believe that he did it for the team. But with Brees, I feel like, and I don't know, maybe it's just me being a conspiracy theorist, <laughs> but I just feel like New Orleans and Drew Brees sat down and said, "Hey, you know we can't give you the max deal because of your age, because of your uh, injuries. So we're, let's work something out, and that way we, we get you in a better position to win a Super Bowl." Then you know, because I, I do agree with you, he is one of the best quarterbacks in the game, and You know, Throughout his career, he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the game. But I really believe some of that, the reason he took a pay cut was because of his age.
1: But the thing is, I think quarterbacks are realizing that if they're taking up that much of the salary cap, they're not going to be able to win. Because right now, all you have is a team can win when they have a rookie quarterback on a rookie five-year contract. That's your window. Because you can pay everybody else during that time. Because a quarterback isn't going to be making more than, I don't know, a million at the most if they're a first-round pick. So you have to decide as a player, I think, and as a team, what approach you're going to take. And I truly don't believe that if the Cowboys pay Dak Prescott, they won't have enough money to build the team that they want to build because they've already put way too much money in Amari. They've already put way too much money in Zeke.
0: And Amari got a hundred mil for five years. A hundred mil,
1: yeah.
0: Wow. Um, my thoughts on this Dak situation is I, I totally agree with you that he doesn't belong in that upper echelon of quarterbacks: Carson Wentz, Aaron you know, Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger. But the problem with his contract and the reason why I think, believe it or not, I think Dallas has no choice but to pay him. Is because he has played four seasons under his rookie quarterback um, contract, which him being a fourth round pick, he's he was paying he was getting paid less than a, a million dollars a year, I believe. Yeah. And my, my thing is, even though he is not up there in in the uh, like you said upper echelon quarterbacks, he has taken them to division victories. He has won a playoff game. Even though he hasn't led them to the, you know, uh, uh, Super Bowl, I still think that he he's done enough to get a big contract. Now, and the reason I say that is not because I think he's a top-ten quarterback, because I don't. I think because of the market, and you know how the market goes. So the thing is, uh, Kirk Cousins has just got a lot of money and with, with Minnesota, uh, what's this guy's name, uh, the guy from Tennessee, uh, Ryan, Tannehill. Ryan Tannehill, got paid. And my thing is, it really all comes down to the guaranteed at signing. It's not about – I don't think Dak cares about being the highest-paid quarterback as much as guaranteed money at signing. So, for example, I think he'd be good making $33 million a year, but at guarantee, I think he wants – 100 to 120 up front now the problem with that is is that me and you we believe he's not a top 10 quarterback and usually if you're going to give someone 100 to 120 mil at guaranteed signing or 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 not even at signing just guaranteed you got to be like a really solid quarterback but my thing with dallas is what do they do keep them on the franchise tag uh, risk he doesn't play all year, and they have to go with Cooper Rush as th- starting quarterback. But that's the thing. There's the so end.
1: many options right now. You can pick up Cam Newton on a one year prove it <laughs> deal. You can pick up Jameis Winston on a one year prove it deal. So I don't think the I don't think the Cowboys are seeing it. Are seeing the big picture of that Dak is not the end all be all of quarterbacks. There are options.
0: So that's why you think <laughs> that negotiation is taking long.
1: I think it's in the best interest of the organization to make let this take longer. Because right. the longer you wait this out, and if he's not budging on the price he wants, whether it's thirty-three what last I heard it was thirty three million that they offered and he rejected. So he wants somewhere. I think he does want to be paid at least what Russell Wilson got paid, which is thirty five. The thing is, Russell Wilson signed four year $140, 65 of it was guaranteed. Like his, his signing right. bonus. So and I, I kind of understand where Ms. Smith was coming from saying, you know, you're going to make money off of endorsements and because you play for Dallas. Like, that's a right. big deal. I, I understand, and I'm I'm for players getting what they're paid for. Their, their career yeah, 10 think- years at the most. That's, you know, right. you're pushing it at 10 years. And right now we're coming up on a time where a bunch of people are retiring in their primes because of injuries. Injury. And, you know, Andrew Luck, uh you had Travis Frederick, health issues, retired. So, I mean, cor- I think players are understanding that their time is limited and they have to make as much money as possible. But you have to understand what your purpose is as a per- part of the team. Are you wanting to win Super Bowls? Or are you wanting to make money? Because I don't think you can have – no
0: and, I, and I- and I'll play devil's advocate here, and I'll say I think Dak Prescott also needs to be careful on, on how he negotiates and his agent, too, because if you think about it, Dallas is one of the to, as far as I heard, um, I don't know if this rumor was true, uh, he was going to get paid $33 million, $33 million a year. That's what they were saying about $33 mm-hmm. million. And, um he, you know, Todd Francis, who's his uh, agent, supposedly – that didn't want to go with that contract. So my thing is they got to play it safe too because I think if Dak hit the open market, he wouldn't get that much money. You know what I'm saying? So I think he needs to really be smart here, and I get it. He may feel underappreciated since he's been playing for the last uh, four years under that rookie contract, and he feels like it's time to pay up. But I do agree with you. He he uh, He needs to... In a way, kind of like be careful because he might put himself in a position where, you know, Dallas decides to go with. You know what? We're not. We're going to keep you on the franchise tag, and if you decide you don't want to play, then we'll have to pick someone else up, and we'll we'll look for ways to trade you. And that's where I see. I don't think he'll get that much money in the open market. So I do think that he needs to uh, come up with a. They need to come up with a, a solution. That benefits both of them. Like like you said, they have to help the team because, like you said, they gave Amari all this money. And that's the thing. And, and that's where I kind of side with Dak, where, you know, Jerry showed like Zeke was a main priority and he paid him top dollar. He showed the offensive line. He showed the love to the offensive line and made them the most expensive offensive line. He showed love to the Marcus Lawrence and gave him all that money. He showed love to Amari Cooper. And he talks about how Dak is this franchise quarterback, that Dak is gonna be their Super Bowl quarterback and he's gonna bring him multiple Super Bowls. My thing, that's when I say, Well then if you feel that way, then pay up, Jerry. Like let's stop let's stop beating around the bush and pay up. The kid played four years under a rookie contract and I think he's due to he should make, you know, at least at guarantee he should get at least in my opinion, he should get at least a hundred mil guaranteed. Just because of everything he's done for them in the last four years. You're right, Maradi he's gonna make money off the field. But I'm 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 like you, I'm all about the players getting their money. And I think that, you know, what they make off the field I think that's you know, that's relevant to them. Because at the end of the day, like uh I think Tom Brady did that as well because of that. And I think Tom I feel like Tom Brady is to blame to blame for all this because if you think about it, Tom Brady if Tom Brady takes a pay cut for the team, you expect everyone else to. You know what I'm saying?
1: But th- then so, let's, let's let's flip it here. I would I kind of feel like if I plugged Cam Newton into this offense with Zeke, with Amari, with that offensive line, with that defense, Cam could Cam could take us to the promised land. Because why? Because Cam has proven he could take a lesser talented team to the Super Bowl. Because Cam has won the NFL MVP. But that's the thing that that bothers me with Dak. Dak hasn't proven anything. One playoff win doesn't prove anything. Not when you have Gardner Minshew blowing up the league, you know, doing doing what he's doing. So I just – I don't think that he's proven enough – in my opinion, to demand the money that he's demanding. That's all, that's my opinion
0: on that. Now, now, I like that Cam situation, but my thing is the last couple years Cam has been on the field, he hasn't looked like Cam. Now, it could be due to injuries. It could I think be the
1: so- shoulder is so. a big thing for him.
0: Yeah, especially for a quarterback and, and, and one that likes to run and be physical. And So I, I kind of get it. But I think that uh, Dak has built – uh, so much trust from his teammates. Like every time I, I see it, uh, an interview, and and to be honest, I don't see it. Like I don't see the greatness that these guys see in him. And I'm just you know, I'm, I'm, it's not nothing against Dak. I just don't think he's, I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a solid quarterback. I think he can get you by, but I don't think he's this like great quarterback like Amari Cooper says. Like he said, Dak Prescott has changed his life, and it's like. I don't see it, but I could be in the wrong. You know, I just I, I'm like you. I want the players to get their money, um. Even though, you know, we're we're actually they they're actually got to put their team ahead, especially the Cowboys who who who've been dying for a Super Bowl and they feel like they're gonna win it every year. <laughs> I think they need to. I think they need to really do what's best for the team, and if that's not paying back and um, putting them on the franchise tag, then. Jerry Jones is just going to have to go with that. But um, as I'm looking – if I'm Dak Prescott right now, I tread lightly because I don't want Jerry to then be like, well, you know what? Then we'll keep you on the franchise tag. We'll trade you and see what you get on the open market. Because honestly, Mel, I don't think you, I don't think he's going to get that much money in the open market. I mean, there's not
1: really a lot of quarterback needy teams. I think that's why the market for Jameis isn't there, the market for Cam isn't there. Like, a lot of these teams don't really need quarterbacks. The only one I could, you know, I see picking up a quarterback from free agency, I think, are the Chargers. And I think they'll only do that for a year. I know that they're going to draft a quarterback. But that's that's the thing with this, and I feel like a lot of players are finally understanding that it's a business and that owners are going to do what's in the best interest for their brand and for their pockets. So if if I don't have to guarantee you 100 mil, I'm not going to do it because I could find another fourth-round pick possibly coming from college. And this is a very deep wide receiver uh, draft, very deep corner draft. I mean, that's why the market I don't think has been there because there's so much talent coming into the league every year that they don't really have to put all their eggs in one basket. And if I'm Jerry Jones, I'm not putting my eggs in the that Prescott basket. I'm sorry, I'm not.
0: And talking about wide receivers, that's a perfect segue <laughs> into
1: our next sure topic. Sure is.
0: Uh, Bruce Arians was asked about T- uh, AB being a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, and his answer was he's not a fit. He won't be with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So, Mel – What do you think about A.B. joining the NFL again? Do you think there's a possibility he gets signed again? You know,
1: know. probably before, let's just say a couple days ago, I probably would have said, you know what? A.B. has been real quiet. I'm glad he's handling his business and stayed out of the news cycle. But then he goes and says, I'm the best receiver in the game. Tell Julio to look up the stats. I got more touchdowns than Julio Jones had in the past five years, and I took a year off, end quote. So this stemmed from Pro Football Focus's Twitter, saying that Julio Jones was uh, the best uh, Pro Football Focus grade at 94.7 in his career, uh, the best among all wide receivers since 2006. That was their tweet. And then Antonio Brown just had to take a shot at Julio. So, my thing is, I, I was like, "Yeah, A.B.'s going to come back. He'll he'll come back to a to a team on a maybe a one year prove it deal with a lot of there'll probably be a lot of like footnotes in his in his contract about whether you know he stays out of the news, media uh, behavior, team culture, all those things." And I would say that yes, I I thought he would be back, but. After what he said about Julio Jones, I just don't understand what this guy is doing. I truly don't.
0: I The way I feel about the situation is uh, first of all, nothing against A.B. I think he is probably one of the top 10 wide receivers if he was to join the league right mm-hmm.
1: now. Oh, don't for question.
0: sure. But my, my thing is if Tom Brady <laughs> can't you know what I'm saying? If Tom Brady
1: can't vouch
0: for you, if he can't vouch for you, then I don't know who can. And my thing is, he's he's been a he's been a problem in in, in locker rooms. And I remember going back to when he went on Facebook Live while um, they were after the game, after post game, and and you know, uh, my, you know, they were out there giving speeches, and he's out there just on Facebook Live, shows up to games in a, it, you know, not to play and shows up in a in a jacket, like, in a chinchilla jacket. Like, the guy is just – I feel like he just wants to be in the in the now. Like, he wants to be in the news. He wants to be relevant. I don't know if he seriously wants to be back in the NFL. I mean, I, I think it's getting to a point, though, maybe, where he needs the NFL because I, I don't think the NFL needs him anymore. And I think – that's where his frustrations have come in because he feels like, you know, he's not relevant anymore. Like with pro football focus coming out and and calling Julio Jones and, you know, uh, DeAndre Hopkins and and these guys better wide receivers than him, it it, it feels like we've moved on from A.B. It feels like we don't need him anymore. And as as talented as the guy is, and I know he can make a difference in – on the field, but he can also make a huge difference in the locker room.
1: And that's that's the biggest thing for him. I think you can be the most talented dude of all time, but at the end of the day, this is a a team game. So if you can't contribute to the team as a whole, then I truly don't need you.
0: I I totally agree with that. Um, I feel that he – you know what's funny? A part of me feels that one of the one of these teams that have nothing to lose, and you know, are, are make dumb moves from Houston. time to time. <clears throat> the New York Jets,
1: Houston, uh, Houston uh, you know, Jackson,
0: Houston, Jacksonville. Like you got these teams that sometimes kind of need to be in the in the now and making a splash move like that. Because I remember. When, uh, Michael Vick, when he did the whole, uh, dog, uh, fighting scandal, a lot of people thought he would never come back, but the difference with Michael Vick was, you know, he, he handled the media way better than this guy, AB. I mean, AB just cannot, he, he just can't stay out of trouble, uh, going on IG live and yelling and cursing at his, um, baby moms and doing all this, like, he he's just he's put himself in a situation in which i don't feel like the nfl wants him back and i and with with michael vick even though he did what he did people were still you know curious to see if he had it in the tank um they saw his his apology in, in my opinion which it did seem genuine because i just recently saw the vick uh did you watch the vick documentary i have not before? uh it, you gotta take a look at that as well that was really good and you know i saw the the apology and it seemed sincere but this guy a b he just doesn't seem sincere um he's burnt a lot of bridges uh he played with a with a soon to be hall of fame uh quarterback and didn't make it didn't make it work so my thing with him is i think teams are, are starting to really you know give up on him and, and uh, chances of him being signed again, to be honest with you, are very, very slim. And I think a lot of
1: it d- depends on what punishment Roger Goodell brings out from the league office because I think they still haven't figured out what his punishment will be. So teams aren't really going to, you know, take a chance on a dude, pay him money, and then figure out, well, he's suspended for the whole year. You get what I'm saying? So, so then as, as, if I was a GM, I wouldn't take a chance until I figure out what Roger Goodell is going to do first. Um, obviously, with everything going on, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon. Um, although the league says that the draft is going to happen um, at the same time, it's not being moved. Uh, so, I mean, there are stranger things that ha- stranger things have happened in football. But like you said, I think Antonio Brown has finally come to terms with the fact that he needs the NFL more than the NFL needs him.
0: Exactly, And um, moving on from A.B., which we both agree, we don't think he gets signed again. We call it, we think it's over for him. But let's move on to the NBA, in which I, I've heard a lot of people debating on who the rookie of the year is between John Moran and Zion, but I haven't really heard a lot of people th- talk about who will have the better career. So my opinion is I'll ask you both those questions. Uh, who do you think will have the better career and who do you think is the rookie of the
1: year? All right, we'll start with rookie of the year because I feel like that one is far and away easier than who has a better career. Uh, Now, you know, I'm a huge Duke fan. I love Duke. Love Coach K. I hope Bronny goes to Duke, you know, for that one year. But looking at the sample size we have now. We got 19 games from Zion. We got 58 games from Ja. Ja Morant, for me, is by far the rookie of the Like, it shouldn't even be a question because of what he – he's actually made the Grizzlies relevant and has fi- them vying they're, they're at the 18 right now. The Grizzlies, who were, like, in total rebuild mode after they shipped off Marc Gasol. Uh, Michael Conley. Like, this team was straight rebuilding. And John Morant, you know, has taken them and made this team his at such a young age. And he's averaging 17 points a game, 7 assists, 3.5 rebounds, 49% field goal range, 37% three-point shots. Like, this kid is unbelievable, dude. And then he plays the most important – position in my opinion which is he's a point guard so between even though the, the sample size on Zion is small because of of the injury you know and you know Zion was kind of already on the short end of the stick because he was so hyped the next LeBron you know all that stuff and the pressures that come with that that you have to perform when you get to the next level if that's the hype you're coming with but as of right now taking into account everything that's happened Uh, New Orleans does have a better team but they're not doing better than the Grizzlies and that speaks volumes to who Ja is and who Zion is and I think rookie of the year if it doesn't go to Morant which you know the NBA has let us down before with these awards I wouldn't be surprised if they give it to Zion just because of the hype factor of Zion but I think the play on the court has been
0: in Morant's favor when it comes to rookie of the year uh I'm 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 looking at the numbers right now and you mentioned uh, I'm sorry John Morant and I'm looking at Zion's right now Zion is averaging 23.6 6.8 rebounds 2.2 assists now I think a lot of these numbers especially for Zion Obviously, his averages are that high because he he hasn't played Correct. that many games. So I will give him that. But but one but one thing I will say about Zion, he gets his
1: points really oh, easily. He's a big motherfucker. It's, like, it's it's really it's it's
0: pretty impressive how this dude just gets up there and scores with ease. Like it's it's and he's so he's undersized. Like he's at they got him at six six, two hundred and eighty four pounds. And he can out rebound seven foot one guys. Like I remember seeing a, a board he took from Steven Adams and it was like Steven Adams couldn't believe it. Like he was just like, Whoa, like this was crazy. My thing is though, even though Zion to me has been the more exciting player and he 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 has been the one player that everyone he plays, everyone is tuning in to watch what he's going to do. My thing with Zion is that he relies on others to get points while John Morant creates for others and he gets his own shots. So that's my, my, the difference with the rookie of the year, in my opinion. Also, John Morant has played 58 games. I mean, I I, I think the, the, the person that won, the player that won the rookie of the year with the fewest games was Patrick Ewing with 50 games. Uh, I don't, I just don't think Zion, even though he's had a great start to his career, he hasn't done enough to say to me like wow he's he's with just those nineteen games, he's taken the rookie of the way the rookie of the Year away from John Morant because John Morant yeah. has been special. I mean, who in the world would have thought Memphis would have been an seed at this time like you know and and what's crazy about the their schedule? After a All-Star game, they have the toughest schedule remaining in the NBA. And they've held their own. I mean, I saw John Moran put up an, an, an amazing performance against our favorite team, the L.A. Lakers. And it's like he has no fear. I saw him dominate James Harden and calling him out and talking trash to James Harden like, you better fucking step up or I'm about to <laughs> knock these shits in your face. And he was just like – and dunking on people left and right and at his at his size and like you said he plays the toughest position in the NBA. Uh I don't see the the big man position transitioning to being the main position anymore. Like you remember back in when we started watching basketball the big man was the go-to guy. But now it's all about the point guard. The point guard creates the and, and you got even big men now they come and they step out and start hitting threes like it's not the typical big man anymore, and and it really has to do with if you want a chance at an NBA title, you need a, a good point guard, and that's why I believe that the Lakers made the move that they made by by switching LeBron to point guard because they if you if you put Rondo to start, they are at a disadvantage because he's not the same Rondo. So my thing is, Morant plays the tougher position. Morant has played the more has played most games and he's put up phenomenal numbers for a rookie and, and got his team into playoff position. He's also lost a few players in the mix and he's still keep he's still keeping them above water. So my pick for rookie of the year is John Moran as well. But as far as who's going to have the better career, I I still gotta go with John Morant and and I go back to the fact that he plays the more important position. The game has transitioned into which if the point guard is just the more important, the more important player. And with Zion being 6'6", 284 pounds, I feel like with the way he plays and, and how athletic he is, I feel like, and I don't wish this on him, and I love watching him play, but it's like he's a, a, a ticking time bomb. Like it's like an injury waiting to happen. He's just so I think he's gonna have to
1: he's gonna have to change size. the the way he plays or change his physique. He can't he can't go through the NBA. It's big because he's not gonna make it.
0: And and he's gotta develop a jump shot. He's gotta develop a jump shot, even if it's not, um, you know, a, a great jump shot. Something that can get him by. Because let me tell you, when I watch him shoot the ball. It's not like he has mechanic issues. He doesn't have a bad release. He 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 has so great like that, form. When he shoots. It's just <laughs> like he's right. He's not like a Rondo or a Sean Marion or a a Giannis or like the kid has potential to really improve his jump shot. And a guy who plays undersized like that, he needs to develop a jump shot because his advantage is being a six six center. Because pretty much they put him at center or power forward. What he can do is if he can develop a shot he can bring the big man out to follow him up to the three point line and and you know, create more offensive rebound opportunities for the for, for his team. So my thing is I think because he has so much to work with to 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 have a long career, to have a successful career, I John Morant to me, he's ready, man. LML. Like he's 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 ready. His handles are there. His shot needs a little bit of help, but he's working on it. He's a great passer, very underrated passer. Um, he can score. He's he's very unguardable, and he's a leader. Like you see at his rookie campaign, he's he leads. He's the leader of that. Yeah, team. and you, you think about it,
1: that team. That to me, got, I feel like Zion could shine more because he has a better team. You got Jerry, Jay, you got Lonzo Ball, you got does. Brandon Ingram, you got Josh Hart. Like you have a decent. Team that people were talking about, this team could this Pelicans team could contend. And John Morant's working with you know, oh, they, they can Jared them. Jackson, Josh Jackson, Jonas McCullian, uh, Justice Winslow, who just got traded, Dylan Brooks, Grayson Allen. I mean, the, these, are, these aren't all stars. Jonas Valencunias is probably the right. best player out of all those, and John Morant has still transformed that team. And that's the thing. Like, I feel like the intangibles that John Morant has, you can't teach that. Like his basketball IQ is off the charts. Zion, I think his whole career has just been bigger and stronger than anybody he's played against, whether it was high school, whether it was college. He's just a big motherfucker. He has been able to bully his way through it. But now it's like you got to the NBA where there's bigger motherfuckers than you. You got seven-foot dudes, you know, six eleven, six ten. And you can't bully your way through that. You have to have finesse in in the game, which I think he hasn't developed. So I think he can get a lot better. I think he will get a lot better with the right coaching. But I feel like the same way that you do that. John Morant is way ahead of Zion. And he's he's already shown that he's going to take his team, wherever he is, no matter where he is, he's going to take them to that next level. And that's just stuff I feel like you can't teach. Even though he came from like, Murray State, dude, come on. I
0: think, I think you made a great point when you said he even has the better team. And but the, and that's another difference, too, if you think about it. Zion is not even the best player on on his team at that. Like, Brandon Ingram is better than yeah. he is at the moment. You know, I'll give him that at the moment. Um, but John Moran is no doubt about it. He's the best player on his mm-hmm. team in his rookie year. And he's got him in the playoffs. What this kid is doing is is really – it's really, it's really, really impressive. Like, I, I haven't seen something like this since maybe LeBron James, but even though his team didn't make the playoffs, the winning, they, they, they won way more games than they had the year before. So it's like, this kid is doing something really special and I think Zion will be a good, good, maybe a great player, but he's going to have to work on a lot of things. He's going to have to work on the jump shot. He's going to have to lose weight. He, Like you said, he's got to work on his finesse game because, like you said, these guys are 6'10", 6'11". But not only are they big, bigger than him, but they're they are they're just as
1: athletic. Yeah, or they can, shoot, or they can like, shoot better. <laughs> Giannis.
0: Giannis is 6'11", and he can guard mm-hmm. everybody. You know what I'm saying? And, and, like, I think the toughest matchup that he's had so far has been against Giannis. Like, he... Giannis kind of exposed him. He, he was having a tough time getting a shot up, and... And and when he runs into guys that are like that, six eleven, six ten, six nine, that that are very athletic, he's gonna have a tough times. So, you know, I like Morant. I think Morant has the better future, and um, we'll see what happens. And as, but as far as team wise, I think Zion will have a better team and may may get to the playoffs and do more damage earlier than Ja but I, that that doesn't mean that he'll be yeah, a player with but, you but um but moving on um Houston Astros now I know this is an old topic but this is our first episode on the podcast and um we we can't start this
1: podcast <laughs>
0: us being baseball fans without talking about
1: disgrace this, disgrace this this this
0: disgrace to the sport that we both love. Um, what are your thoughts on the cheating? What do you think needs to happen? And do you think the punishment has been... Enough? Well,
1: first off, just because I have so many friends that are Houston Astros fans that I hope listen to this and kind of understand where I'm coming from on, on this cheating scandal. It's not just... If it was my team, if I was a Houston Astros fan, I would not want to keep this covered up because it's an indictment on your organization and it just makes the league look so bad. The fact that they're able to get away with this for not one, not two, three years minimum. That's what we know. They at least got away with it for three years and nobody said nothing. Dude, that's just ridiculous. Like, if you really want to be the best of the best, if you want to be at the top of the game, if you want to be called a champion and know that you deserve that crown, you got to win it the right way. And I feel like, I mean, Manfred, the, Rob Bamford's a bitch, he is. Because he could have done so much more and he did it. And you know what he's gonna do? Because I know, I know how he works, I know how he operates. He's gonna bring the hammer down on the Red Sox, who didn't even cheat as bad, because he's getting so much shit about the punishment he gave the Astros. The Astros should have been stripped of the World Series title. Like that should have been the I'll first read. thing that come, that should have happened they cannot be recognized as champions when you know that they only won because they cheated.
0: They shouldn't have the the, you know,
1: no. The pride they don't deserve it. champions. Like they should They should they, they should have lost the shit to the draft picks. They should have lost, they should have been fined millions of dollars. But you know, these these people have a lot of money but just just fine them to to set a precedent that this is not okay. Because what what you're doing by saying, oh, well, you know, here's a slap on the wrist. A.J. Hinch, you know, is out of baseball for a year. What the fuck is stopping the coach going to do? If they don't have the coach, that don't mean nothing. They still have all the same players. Right. And everybody was, was in on it from and, Tom.
0: Oh, yeah. And, and I don't know if you saw that, A.J. Did you watch I did. that A.J. Hinch I did, I did. with uh, Tom Ferducci? <laughs> Bullshit. That was the most <laughs> Bullshit fucking excuse. And he made himself look like yeah. he was an angel, like he had nothing to do with it. Oh, I broke I broke two TV screens that I thought they would get the message. Motherfucker, you were in on it. You knew that you were at an advantage. You knew that by you doing all this, you were going to have success. I mean, how in the world... Do you not expect to have an advantage when you know exactly in real time?
1: There's no no excuse, and that's the thing, that the commissioner couldn't even say, well, you know, it didn't didn't really help them. Yes, it fucking helped them. If I know that a fastball's coming, I know, hey, swing the fucking bat. I'm not even a professional baseball player, and I know that.
0: This is my thing. Just like you said, we at least for now know that this could have been in the last three years. Well, let's go back to the last three years. 2017, mm-hmm. 2018, and 2019. 2017, the Houston Astros went on to win the World Series. They beat Do- mm-hmm. the Dodgers in a seven-game series. 2018, they went to the ALCS, lost <laughs> to another cheater team, which was Boston. So that means the cheater got and out. And then Boston won that
1: series. series. More, we much. won the championship that and year.
0: Then in 20- And then in 2019, which there's been speculation and there isn't any proof, but you can – look, I'm a Yankee fan, and everyone that's listening to this that knows me knows that I'm a diehard Yankee fan. So a part of this, yes, you're right. I'm feeling a little salty about the situation. I'm not going to lie, but I'm also upset, and I think it's bullshit, and I don't think they were a better team than us in 2017. You know what I'm saying? And to top it off, 2019, you cannot tell me that Jose Altuve did not oh. have something
1: under that jersey. Oh, yeah.
0: The motherfucker ran around the bases, told them, hey, do not take rip my jersey off. Don't rip my jersey off. Why not? Shit, if I had the game-winning, moving on to World Series home run off Aroldis Chapman out of all people, you could take my fucking pants off. I walk <laughs> around with my cock out. You know what I'm saying? Like, this this year, this is the biggest bullshit I have ever heard. Um, I've never been an Astros fan. I've never, I've never, I, I, as I'll say it right now, I know I got a lot of friends that are Astros fans, and I'm sorry, and I'm, I'm sorry that I got to say it this way, but fuck the Astros. They ain't shit. They haven't been shit till they started cheating. And this is my thing. We We're going to find out this year. How mm-hmm. good they really are, you know what I'm saying? Their division has gotten tougher.
1: The, the Angels have Rays, gotten better. Have gotten, um, a- the
0: Rangers have gotten better. I want to see how good they're going to be this year. Like this is where that's why I cannot wait for the MLB. And this is my thing. Like I now I looked up the uh, numbers of Jose Altuve,
1: George Springer, oh,
0: uh, uh, Brian McCann, George Springer. Their home numbers and away numbers in twenty seventeen. Like night and day, night and day. Unbelievable. I be- Jose Altuve was hitting four twenty nine at home or something like that, and then you had him hitting like one thirty eight on the road. It was it was ridiculous. And then and and okay, I'm a Yankee fan, but this is a fact. This is what happened in twenty seventeen when we played them. Games one and two were in Houston. They beat us in those two games. But they didn't just... They didn't, like, like beat us bad. They beat us by one run. Like, it was close games that they beat us in. Then we go to New York. In the three games that we beat them, we demolished them. I don't know if you remember this, Mm -hmm. but we demolished them in those three games. We go back to Houston. And, again, they beat us by a run. Or two runs. It wasn't like they were beating us bad. Game seven... They beat us by, I believe it was two runs. And it was a close game throughout the whole game as well. Um, It's obvious they were cheating. It's obvious that they had an advantage playing the Yankees. And I feel like the Yankees and the Dodgers are really the, the teams that got hurt the most in this. And I agree with you 1,000%. Those motherfuckers should not be 2017 world champs. They need to be stripped of their title. And let me tell you this. It's, uh he he was he was uh throwing these curveballs and you know he's got probably the best curveball in the game. And these guys were just laying off of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And right there that shows everything that 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 you need to know. I mean, Clayton Kershaw was having a great postseason until he ran into the Astros. And, you know, his 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 problem has been is that he doesn't deliver in the postseason, and I feel because franchises got hurt in the end. And um I, I, I like I agree with you. I think the punishment wasn't harsh enough. I think the the title needs to be stripped. Um, I think that the players should give back their earnings from that year. Actually, I think they need to give back all their earnings from that year. But I, I don't believe in suspending them the whole year because I mean you can't suspend the whole team for a year. You know what I'm saying? Like, we need them.
1: Yeah, but you, you can, there's other ways to get around it. Like, you know, it, it happens in college college sports all the time. You know, I follow college sports. I'm big on them. Like, you know, Memphis vacated the title when Derrick Rose was there. Um, Louisville vacated the title. Uh, SMU got hit with a death penalty and never recovered. So, I mean, there are ways that the organization itself, the NCAA, passed down these punishments because they were saying it's not okay. But if you got your commissioner of baseball doing these bullshit punishments, then you're not you're not exactly. getting, you're not getting the How message across is that, that says cheating's not okay. Other teams from cheating. It's not and, and it probably she shows that it's not because Boston did it the did it, next it, year in the, in the owners, and they're probably gonna keep their 2018 you know, owners, title.
0: Uh, if you, if you if you find an owner five million dollars that's nothing to them that's that's pocket change to the motherfucker that's thirty bucks so if that's like what they bucks got, that us. slap on the wrist that's not gonna stop other teams from cheating <laughs> my thing is take the title take their earnings from that year take draft picks and 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 maybe go further and 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 and, and? Shit, maybe have the owner sell the team to that point I
1: mean. Or, or maybe or, or may a postseason ban. I so, think all those in, all, all those options give give right. the punishment versus right. well, bullshit.
0: Moving on, unfortunately, I, I could talk about the Astros all day because they they've broken my heart two years in a row. But um, let's move on to the last topic, which is. Our passion for sports, me and you specifically, we both are passionate about our players that we, we support. What game or games in the past have made you cry to the point that you surprised yourself because you were crying? Like, has there ever been a game that you look back and you say, man, and and, and you cry and you're like, wow, this one hit the, like hit me in the soul. Mel, what game
1: would that be? <laughs> Little known fact: <laughs> I'm a very, I'm a very big crier. I cry all the time. <laughs> uh, I, I, I love rom com so I'm, I'm always, I'm always crying. But it's a guilty pleasure of mine. But obviously, when it comes to sports, because I am a fanatic and I literally live, breathe, uh. I just love everything about sports and what it, what it does to people, what it does to a community, what it does – you know, I just – it's great. Um, obviously, you know when I cried. Two, 2016, uh, I literally – I was watching the game at my parents' house. I literally fell to the floor and just started crying when when LeBron finally brought it home to Cleveland. I, I just – like, there were literally no words as to – how I could explain what the feelings I had—it's almost like I was so proud for LeBron because he fulfilled, you know, the one thing that people were saying was keeping him from being one of the greatest, uh, leaving home and bringing a title to that, his hometown. I like, will say oh my that God, that
0: was one of the greatest uh, moments. Not only, and I'm a, and I'm a LeBron James known hater. Like I, I'm not a fan, but that was one of the greatest moments in sports. And you might not like the guy. Uh, but that's when he proved to me that he's he belongs in that conversation as as a goat. Like he does because that was beautiful to watch. I mean,
1: Cleveland, this is for you. Down three. Was, I mean that, that shit was beautiful. That that was beautiful. It, I that's a, a super team, team. I mean, a, yeah, it was. It had a everything
0: team that went that eighty three and that nine and everything. broke the Bulls seventy uh, two and ten record that they said in 1996, like, that was – it was beautiful to watch. I thought I was really rooting for the Warriors because I like Steph, because I like Clay, because I like Draymond. But it was – you know, even being a hater, to see what he did, to lift the team the way that he did after being called out by Clay, saying that he got his feelings hurt, and went all out and just dominated the last couple games, it it was – Listen, me being Drop a forty
1: each of the last three head, games
0: I said, this guy and that that was in my opinion that was the greatest moment of his career. The block was the greatest moment is in his greatest play of his career. I've never seen a block that amazing. And and he, he earned that title and much props to him. He he deserved it. And let me tell you, if I was a LeBron James fan, I would have been crying myself.
1: So that, that was like my, my crying for joy. I was elated. I was so freaking happy. Cool. And then I also had my heartbreak. 2010, uh, tw- 2010 Super Bowl. Mm. The, same. the yep. Indianapolis Colts against the New Orleans Saints. And yep. Peyton Manning just threw that pick six and it was over. I broke a TV that day. So that's how. Just crying and throwing shit at the TV because I was <laughs> – I was devastated. Wow. Yeah, oh. dude. I was devastated. I, I feel sports with a passion that I think is borderline fucking crazy. I, I, I'm i so intertwined in the lives and everything that they do that it just I, – I feel like, you know, my brother had just lost. Like, I, Peyton Manning is my favorite player of all time when it comes to the football. with me uh, – Oh, that broke my heart. I've had
0: two instances in sports. In which I've cried both have been heartbreaks and uh one was very recent and I'm sure you know which one it was uh Kobe Bryant's passing uh those that know me know that I'm a huge Kobe Bryant fan since I was nine years old I've been a Kobe Bryant fan uh I used to be a diehard Knicks fan before Kobe came into the league and um uh, a, a lot of, the, one of the reasons I stopped being a Knicks fan was because Starks was traded to Utah, and that really hurt me. So I was like, fuck the Knicks after that, and then the way they treated Ewing. And then, I, you know, Starks was past his prime, and he wasn't as good as he once was. So I was looking for that one player that, you know, I really enjoyed watching, and it was Kobe Bryant. Even though he wasn't Kobe that we would later know to be in the future, to be this guy, this God, this Hall of Famer, he was exciting to watch for me. He was a great athletic player who could dunk on everybody, and he was phenomenal. He was my idol when it came to sports, and uh, I took that passing like as if I lost a family member. You know, what he meant to me, it, uh, it, it broke my heart. So I cried for several days, uh, probably a whole week straight, because it was like, like I would sit down and just, Think. and I'm like shit, like it's unbelievable that you could be here one day and just gone the next and the guy retired and he was enjoying his retirement enjoying his time coaching his daughter and you know that also affected me too since i'm I'm a dad and a girl dad at that and and to see the relationship that he had with his daughter that 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 really hurt me so that was one and uh but when it came to those that know me uh know that I'm from New York. And my favorite, I'm, I'm, my favorite sport is basketball, but my favorite franchise, my favorite team, the team that I support the most, are the New York Yankees. And the, in two thousand one, we, uh, we all know we got hit hard, and you know, in the World Trade Center, <laughs> in September 11th. Uh, it hurt us New Yorkers really bad. I mean, there's one day that I'll never forget. To this day, I talk about it, and it kind of, it, it kind of hurt me. Like it, it you know, it, it made a. It made a big, big deal in my life. Like that was one of the biggest events in my life. Like that, by far, stands out as the craziest thing that's ever happened in my life. And um, I remember the two thousand one playoffs in the MLB and the Yankees, and that's the team that I that I support the most, that I love the most. And we were down two nothing to uh, Oakland. We come all the way back, win the series, win three games straight. That's when uh, Jeter had to flip. And uh, we beat the Mariners and the ALCS, and we moved on to the World Series. We lost the first two games to Arizona and won the next three at home in in an amazing fashion. Do you remember, Mel, how, how they happened? Well, it was... Two of the games we uh, no, came back no, I, I in the ninth inning. I don't One by, uh, by two runs and I believe the other one by a run. Um, in the ninth inning, both times, back-to-back games, we uh, came back, tied the game, and won the game. So we won the next three games. Uh, we lost game six to uh, Arizona because they uh, I think Randy Johnson pitched game six and he was phenomenal and he shut us down. Uh yeah, he killed us. Yeah,
1: fifteen-two. That was a big Game seven
0: is the game that I <laughs> cried in because it was a great game, Medei. Great game the whole game. It was the score was one-one, I believe, heading into the eighth bottom of the eighth inning, uh, top of the eighth inning. I'm sorry. And um, Alfonso Soriano comes to bat. As a matter of fact, Alfonso Soriano was having a great series. He was probably going to go on to be the World Series MVP. And eighth inning, Kurt Schilling is pitching to him, and he hits a fucking bomb. And me and my mom, who were diehard Yankee fans, jump out of our seats and we start hugging and celebrating and we're about to pull off, like, pretty much <laughs> something that's special because it's like the Yankees are about to win it for New York after September 11, like... This was by far going to be one of the greatest stories in, in in sports history. And we had our man in the ninth inning, Mariano, ready to wrap it up. And he blew the lead. He, he blew the save. And he blew the championship. Man, I, I have never cried so much in a game, even, even in games that I had played in, I, that I had lost, and I had never cried the way that I cried that that night. Me and my mom, we like hugged each other and cried, like there, because we thought about September 11, because of us being under attack and what we went through, and it, it, it hurt so bad. Like that was the one game that uh, I wish I, you know, I, I could, ne- I, I would have never seen. Like I wish it, it would have never happened. And the funniest thing about it is that uh, because of this quarantine that we're going through, Fox Sports has been putting, like, greatest games, like MLB greatest games,
1: and one of them was that game seven,
0: Arizona versus the New York Yankees in 2001. So if you guys ever... Oh, shit, (laughs) did I have to relive it? You had to to relive it. When I watch it, it's like, (laughs) shit. We were two outs away from winning the World Series. Two outs, and we blew it. So that, by far, was the game that hurt me and Kobe Bryant's passing were the two, those two events were the ones that hit me in the soul. But this concludes our first ever episode of Elevated Conversations. I am your co-host RJ Supreme. Till we we get back on here again, which will probably be tomorrow. Uh, You guys have a good night and Godspeed. Let the beat drop.